0: Luke chapter 14, from verse 15 down to verse 24, but just by way of context, let me read for us beginning in verse 12. This is what God's word says, beginning beginning in Luke chapter 14, verse 12. He, that is Jesus, said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have, bought a, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who are invited shall taste my banquet." Amen. Let's pray together. Our God and Father, the Gracious One, the God of marvelous, infinite, matchless grace, we ask now that as we have opened your word that you would reveal the glory of your grace to us in and through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to hear the voice of Of the Holy Spirit, not the voice of a mere man preaching, but we desire to hear the heavenly preacher himself speaking these things to us and revealing truths deeply into our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. In your reading of the Bible, you've probably noticed how it is filled with metaphors, page after page. The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23, your word is a lamp to my feet. And of course, Jesus would later say, I am the light of the world. And he said, many others, I'm the door of the sheep. Now, why did God choose to speak his word to man in such a metaphoric, almost poetic fashion? Well, it's because he is mindful that he is teaching little children. And so he speaks to us as a father to his children through analogies and illustrations to help us understand what we cannot understand otherwise. Because as Job came to realize at the end of his suffering, there are things too wonderful for us to understand. Some things, namely heavenly things, are just too glorious and transcendent to be explained by prose, by mere straightforward statements of fact. And so God reveals them to us with metaphors to paint a picture for us to behold with the eyes of faith so that we might see a glimpse of heavenly realities, that we might see them. And so it is in the case here in Luke chapter 14, we have one of the richest metaphors of the gospel. The good news of salvation in Jesus Christ is likened to a banquet a banquet that is freely given and offered to sinners who are poor, hungry, and weak. And this banquet is a banquet that would meet and satisfy all of their needs. It's a heavenly feast that God has fully provided for sinners who are unfit to receive such a noble invitation. And yet, all are freely and joyfully invited by God to come and eat and be satisfied. There's more than enough room. There's more than enough food for all who hunger. And God will not withhold anything from those who take up that invitation by faith. This is the wonder of the gospel, the sheer grace and kindness of God through Christ. But even so, what is really baffling is how many still refuse to attend. Many refuse to come and eat the feast that God has prepared. They would rather forage for their own food. They they insist on feeding themselves, although they are unable to. And so they end up starving to death eternally. They would rather starve than come to the feast. Why? It's because they don't see how good this banquet is. They don't see how good the host is. They don't see how good this invitation is. And so they refuse to attend. You see, the reason people reject the gospel, the good news, is because they don't see and believe how good this good news really is. Although they hear it described as a banquet, it doesn't register in their hearts what jubilee and delights there is at his table in his presence and that his food is the food, the true food that we need, and that he gives it abundantly. They hear the gospel call, the benevolent invitation to come and eat freely. But in their unbelief, what they hear is just a nagging solicitation, some oppressive demand, and so they decline and refuse to come. What a tragedy. In fact, what is especially tragic is that among those who ultimately refuse to come to the heavenly banquet are not just the outright blatant deniers of the gospel, the the outspoken non-believers, if you will, but as Jesus particularly addresses here, there are those who appear to verbally accept the invitation, but their life demonstrates that they have no real desire to attend, and so they don't in the end, because the heart is the same, they, they don't see the banquet for what it is. They have no real taste for the sweetness of the gospel. Despite their outward profession, many reject the offer of grace in their hearts. And notice what prompts Jesus to tell this parable. Remember, this whole scene is taking place at a dinner party hosted by one of the chief Pharisees, beginning in, in verse 1 of chapter 14. And throughout the course of the meal, Jesus took three different opportunities up till now to teach the Pharisees about various matters. And we saw those three last week. And we left off with Jesus teaching the host that when you hold a banquet, why don't you invite those who just won't scratch your back after you scratch theirs, but those who can never return the favor. And he said this, of course, not to forbid people from ever having dinner with friends and family, but it was a principal point he was making to disarm the self-righteousness of the host who thought himself to be so loving and virtuous because he knew how to give to people who he knew would give back to him. But of course, that's natural self-serving love That's a fallen sinful nature is fully capable of. Anybody can do that. But what is truly commendable and holy in the sight of God is to give to those from whom you have nothing to gain and you know will never be able to repay you. But you will be repaid by God himself at the resurrection, at the end of the age in eternity. Now, as Jesus was saying all of this, one of the guests in attendance heard everything that Jesus was saying, but he had what you would call selective hearing. The the point that Jesus was making about self-giving supernatural love, kind of one in one ear and out the other, but his two ears happened to catch one word each, two words that were of interest to him, the word banquet and the word resurrection. And piecing the two together, his mind immediately went to the future promise of the kingdom of God in the age to come, the promise of an endless feast which the Messiah will bring to his people. And well, he wasn't wrong per se in his theology, Isaiah 25, as we began reading at the beginning of this worship service, Isaiah 25 prophesied of the coming of God's kingdom wherein the Lord will hold a glorious feast. But this Pharisee, uh, being so full of himself and his self-righteous entitlement, he suddenly exclaimed in verse 15, Oh, blessed is everyone who will eat bread of the kingdom of God. Of course, by everyone, he was thinking of himself and his fellow Pharisees. Because we're we're part of the religious establishment. It's a guarantee that we'll be there because we know how to talk the talk and we can't wait. Ooh, I'm just smacking my lips. But to this, Jesus responds in the manner of saying, Ooh, hold your horses there, buddy. You're daydreaming about eating bread in the coming kingdom of God, but first things first. Have you entered the kingdom of God by faith? Have you accepted the gospel call? not only with your lips, but truly in your heart as evidenced by your life. Mere talk is cheap because God knows and sees the heart, as he certainly did with the Pharisees who rejected the gospel at every turn, despite their profession of godliness. And it's in this context that Jesus now gives this parable of the great banquet in verse 16 to show the emptiness of mere lip service so verse 16 but he said to him kind of bursting his bubble as it were a man once gave a great banquet and invited many but at the time for the banquet he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited come for everything is now ready and yet they all alike began to make excuses now what we need to understand is the cultural custom of jesus's day where when a wealthy man held a great banquet, a large fancy party, there would be two stages of invitations. The first invitation was to announce the banquet and invite the guests who would then give their formal response. And then when the actual hour came for the banquet, a second invitation was sent to those who had accepted the first to announce that the dinner was now ready and now they must come at once. I suppose it's kind of like Getting RSVPs uh, with the first invitation to get a headcount for the final guest list. And then the second invitation was the reminder the day of. Only back then, the first invitation was not just a casual RSVP, but it was practically binding in the sense that it would have been an unimaginable insult to the host to verbally accept the first, but refuse the second and eventually not attend. Well, going back to this parable, the fact that the host, the master, sent his servant to announce that the banquet was now ready, it tells us that the guests had given a verbal acceptance of the first invitation. They replied, yes, I will attend the banquet. Please reserve a seat for me. I will be there. But when the actual time came for the banquet as announced by the second invitation, they all began making excuses. Why? Why? Because simply put, they didn't want to attend. Although they had said yes by their words, what they really meant was no in their hearts. And notice how all these excuses are coming from an attachment to other affairs, to the things of the world. They feel that they have better things to do than to be at this banquet. One guy says in verse 18, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. Well, the field's not going anywhere but you'd rather occupy yourself with your business ventures you see this man was consumed by his work by his career ambitions if you will how many people today destroy their faith because of a preoccupation with work they're enslaved to it they've allowed themselves to become enslaved to it now it's good to work hard and not be lazy but it can be a source of pride and idolatry to elevate that above knowing God and living for his will, seeking first his kingdom. Oh, I have no time for church. But you know, church is not optional, it's your very livelihood. As a Christian, it is a command. And if you feel that you have no time for the will of God, then something needs to change, and it's not the will of God, it's your will. And your life needs to be conformed to the will of God and and reordered around the priority of corporate worship and regular fellowship with God's people. You know, in this modern industrial age, busyness is the great excuse, isn't it? But at some point, we have to just be honest and admit that it's but an excuse. It's stemming from ultimately a heart of disobedience and unwillingness. Well, another invited guest gave his excuse in verse 19. I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to examine them. Please have me excused. Now, the typical farmer in those days had one or two yoke of oxen. Uh, But this man just bought five. So evidently he was very wealthy. But his vast wealth and his love for possessions was the snare that lured him away from following through with his verbal declaration that he would attend the banquet and this should serve as a warning to all of us that the love of money the the thirst for security in them must never be underestimated in our hearts and you know jesus knew this particularly well about the pharisees they professed such piety but deep inside they were lovers of money They loved the feeling of power and self-sufficiency. And so they had no appetite for the gospel, which calls sinners to confess their weakness and find their sufficiency in Christ. And then another guest excused himself with this in verse 20. I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. Well, congratulations to the newlywed couple. Uh, marriage is a beautiful and holy gift from god family is a blessing but it can become an idol as it had evidently for this man he was consumed by his family and you know it's strange that he didn't think to ask the host i have married a wife may i bring her too Could, could, could i bring her along I mean, don't you think that this generous host who had invited many, he would have said, of course. There was so much room. There's more than enough. Bring her to You want to to bring your grandma? Bring your grandma too. Bring your dog. Bring everybody. But what does the guest's excuse reveal? That his heart was preoccupied. That, That he elevated his family more than this banquet invitation. The idolatry of family, as good of a gift as it is, because as sinners we're readily capable of making idols out of even the good things that God gives to us. I mean this just happens so often when children come into the picture. And all of a sudden life revolves around the kids. So easy for that to happen. And many young families begin to drift away from the church and the excuse is, Oh, it's the kids but again it's just an excuse. Poor kids, it's not their fault, they're just being kids. Because the real issue is your own hearts as parents. You see, zooming out, what do all of these excuses show us from this parable? It shows that these people who had been invited, who had seemingly declared themselves to be guests in attendance, when the time came for the banquet, they had no appetite for it because they had already gorged themselves with worldly things. They had already fed themselves full with all that the world offered them. And so their spiritual palate had become numb and their stomachs bloated. And so they refused to come and eat at the feast of Christ. And what Jesus warns here is that they'll get what they asked for. You will not have a seat at the table, as he says at the end in verse 24. I tell you, none of those men who were invited initially shall taste my banquet. And instead, others will fill your seat. Those who come hungry and ready to freely receive all the riches of His grace because they see, they see how good this banquet really is. And that's really the issue of rejecting the gospel. You don't believe how good is the opportunity given to you you do not see the beauty and the preciousness of the gospel but look at these who do verse 21 so the servant came and reported these things to his master that everyone gave these excuses and weren't going to attend and then the master of the house became angry he was offended dishonored insulted and he said to a servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled and blind and lame. And how do they respond? Verse 22. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done. In that they came. They all came. And still there is room. And the master said, go to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. The poor, the blind, the crippled, the lame, they all accept and they come. Now why do they come? As opposed to those who are invited at first. It's because these are amazed that they have received an invitation to this mansion for an extravagant feast because they know themselves to be unworthy guests. They live on the streets and alleyways of the city. They have nothing to offer this host. They could never repay him. But still he's inviting them to come and fill his house. And so they come in their hunger in their thirst, in their weakness, in their need. Because they understand the golden opportunity before them. Unlike the Pharisees, who who are too proud and self-sufficient, busy eating out of their own hands with food that never satisfies, drinking from broken cisterns that perpetually run dry. But these pitiful, dirty, unworthy guests, they see... The glory of this banquet, which is this, the complete provision of all that they could never provide for themselves and all of it freely given as a gift to be received by faith, simply believing, trusting in the inexplicable kindness and generosity of the master this is the call of the gospel this is what is so good about the good news that we are all spiritually bankrupt sinners before a holy god we are covered in the filth of our guilt and shame living on the streets as it were outside his gates And as fallen sinners, we are utterly unworthy to stand in his presence, much less to sit at his table and dine with him. I mean, that's just unthinkable. But what has God done? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, as the suffering servant to pay the full penalty of our sin and bear the full weight of our guilt and condemnation by suffering unto death on the cross. And by his death and resurrection, Jesus finished the work of atoning for sin and offers to sinners the complete forgiveness of sin at no price as a free gift to be received by faith when sinners confess their sin and simply trust in Him. Do you see the preciousness of the gospel here? The goodness of God's grace that through Christ He calls sinners to just come Come to me, and hear it now, for everything is ready. It's all been done. It's all been prepared for you. I have finished all the work through my son, the work you can never do. You only need to come and simply eat what I give to you. Just, just take and eat Of Christ, the bread of life, just receive freely by faith this gift of righteousness and pardon for sin. That is the good news of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. It is unbelievably good, and yet it is true and trustworthy to be believed in. In fact, that is why the master says to the servant in verse 23, compel them to come compel the poor, the blind, the crippled, and the lame to come. They need to be compelled. They need to be urged, persuaded, convinced of the invitation. Why? Because they know they're unworthy. They can hardly believe that such an invitation is really meant for them. Are you sure the master wants me to come? A beggar? Yes. This banquet is a free gift from his generous grace. But but me? The most broken and wretched? Yes, there's so much room and it is his desire that his whole house be filled to the brim with sinners. But but, but I'm not prepared. I have nothing to bring. Perfect. Bring your nothing. For he has provided everything in Christ. You don't have any clothes to wear? Just come. Come. The garments of righteousness are provided for you in Christ. His righteousness will be given to you. Are you dirty and filthy in sin? With unacceptable hygiene for such a holy banquet? Come as you are. Bring your filth to him in humble confession. Because washing and cleansing is provided for you by the blood of Christ shed on the cross. Are you too broken and crippled to go to him? You can't even get yourself to walk to the banquet and just call out to him. Cry out to Jesus, the holy servant, and he will come to you where you are. He will search you out. He will find you even through the highways and the byways. And he will put his spirit in you and carry you himself to the banquet. Just come and eat Everything is ready. You only need to come by faith, put your trust in the all sufficient grace of God as revealed in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the glory of God. This is who He is, the giver of every good and perfect gift. Can you taste here the sweetness of the gospel as you behold the banquet of His grace? Can you see what is so compelling? And beautiful about him. That his food is better than anything that this world can offer. The gospel is unbelievably good. Almost too good to be true. But it is the very truth of the living God. Who is the perfection of good. You know, as the years go by. And as I grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ little by little, I find that this is just increasingly my burden. That I fear that some refuse the invitation or that some have walked away from an initial acceptance of the invitation because pulpits or churches or Christians made this banquet seem more like a potluck that they must contribute or prove themselves worthy bring something first even if it's just something small just just bring napkins but even that tarnishes the purity and beauty of the gospel it robs god of His infinite goodness and the wonder of His grace that He provides everything. And unworthy sinners only need to come. He calls them to come. He who has no money, come, buy and eat without money and without price, Isaiah 55.1. Because He has paid the full price through His Son, who gave himself for sinners like us? If you're here this morning and you have co- yet to come to the banquet by faith, I simply want to compel you with these words from God. Just just hear the voice of God speaking. Come. For everything is ready. It's all done. Don't refuse the kindness of Christ, but embrace Him by faith. And in Him you will find the eternal satisfaction you long for of knowing Him as you were created to know Him. This is the gospel. Come to Christ and find everything in Him. If I can close just with a word of encouragement to the believers it is my prayer that the picture of this parable would be seared into your hearts and minds. And that by this, you might taste and see that the Lord is good. To be assured of how much better He is and all these worldly distractions. And to always remember in your walk with Christ, He is always out to feed you. He is always out to give you more of himself. And this order never changes, even unto the end. That he will feed us for all eternity in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so learn to trust him with every aspect of your life, to trust his benevolent heart, to trust that even when Jesus demands your life, he demands your everything. He is not taking from you, but he is flushing out the toxins of our fleshly desires and enlarging our appetite and capacity to enjoy him, to find our utmost satisfaction in him. Because this is our God, who he is, the eternal giver of abundant grace and life in him. So church, may it be that we would grow in such amazement of his grace and that with festive joy that we would compel the world to come in and enter his eternal feast by faith. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and Father, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for showing us in your word the things that we cannot understand but by faith, the things that we must behold and receive by faith. We thank you for revealing your heart to us in Christ who has given us himself. Lord, help us to believe this. Lord, we believe but help our unbelief. And we thank you that you've given us the sacrament of the Lord's Supper by which you confirm to us by this vivid gesture of you giving to us this ordinary bread and the cup for the extraordinary means of impressing upon our hearts that you are the food for our souls and that you have never called us to feed you, but you have called us to receive the food you give to us. And so we ask that you would help us to receive it by faith now. In Jesus' name, amen.